Okay, Erev Tov, everyone. Uh, we're now coming very close to Shavuos. This Shabbos, we will not be reading the Parsha Shavua, except in Eretz Yisrael, they will. So you're going to be a week ahead of everybody, Chaya, because you're going to hear Parsha's Naso, and then you're going to hear the next Parsha. When you come back, it's going to repeat. <laughs> so and uh, so, therefore, we can wait till next week to discuss Parsha's Naso. So I'm going to go through a piece from uh, Rav Kluger, uh, Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger, who's a rabbi in Eretz Yisrael, and he's a prolific uh, speaker and writer, and he has a saver called Oscha Avakesh, I Seek You Out, and he has different um, essays, and uh, I'm going to just share with you um, one essay and a little bit from a different essay to give us a certain amount of, uh, to appreciate, again, what we're experiencing, whether we're aware of it or not, and how to respond and get ourselves ready for shvuos. So there's really, he brings three sources in the Talmud, uh, and they're all basically take us to the same place. So let's take a look at the first source, and I'm gonna look at it from the Hebrew, but you got the English all there. So it's a famous uh, Gemara and Shabbos that when Moshe went up to receive the Torah, the ministering angel said before Hashem, what is the child of a woman doing amongst us? What's a human being doing here? Hashem said to receive the Torah. So the angel said, such a precious treasure that you have hidden for 974 generations before the world was created, you want to give it to mere flesh and blood? And then the famous line from Tehillim, who is man that you should remember? And again, repeated that same idea. And they and they continued with another Pasuk, Hashem Adonenu, Hashem our Lord, how great is your name in all the world and you've given your glory into the heavens so they don't want this to happen so Hashem says to Moshe give him an answer Moshe says I'm afraid <laughs> they're going to burn me up their, their fire comes out of their mouths I'm afraid to answer so Hashem said hold on to my throne of glory my kisei kvodi and give him an answer so he said, Rabbi Yishalim, what does it say in your Torah? I am the Lord who took you out of Egypt. So he turns to the angels. Did you guys go down to Egypt? Were you servants to Paro? What does the Torah have to do with you? What else does it say? Don't have any other gods. Okay. Uh, do you live amongst human beings who worship other gods that you're tempted? He goes on, remember the Shabbos. Do you guys do work? says, don't kill, don't steal, don't adulterate. Do you have jealousy? So right away, the angels admitted to God. And they said, Hashem Adonainu Mu'adr Shim They said, Hashem, how wonderful is your name in the world. But the last part of the clause that they said the first time, to Nohotchal Shemayim, but give your, your splendor to the heavens, they did not say that. They didn't say that pasuk this, this time. They eliminated it. 
from here we see that the Malachim agreed that Moshe should get, the Jews should get the Torah. So the obvious question is, what were the angels thinking for the beginning? Didn't they know what's written in the Torah? Didn't they know Moshe's answers? So the simple answer is that, of course they know that, but there's a much deeper level, an inner core of Torah, and there's a whole concept of closeness to Hashem and nullification to Hashem. And that's what the angels wanted, that special internal Torah. But if that's the case, then what was Moshe's answer to them? So this all becomes a difficult question and answer. However you slice it, the angels knew what Moshe was saying. So we have to look at this a little deeper to see what is the breakthrough over here that changes everything. And there's a similar medrash when it talks about before God decided to create the first human being. So he took counsel with the angels. There was all kinds of groups. Some said don't create. Some said do create. Kindness, the attribute of angel of kindness says, create them, they're going to do kindness. But truth said, no, they're going to be a bunch of liars. And uh, righteousness says, create them, he'll do righteousness. Peace said, they're only going to make arguments, going back and forth, back and forth. And again, the angel said, who is man that we should remember, that we should think of him and consider him, should not be created. At the end of the day, Hashem created him. <laughs> That's it. And again, they said, "Hashem Shim It's oh, our Lord, how we, how excellent is your name in the world? Same question. How can you know? Obviously, um, what 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 ended the argument? Certainly, a person has a yetsar. He's gonna do a lot of sin. So why did God create him? Okay. And the third one is more of a specific case in the book of Yeshayahu King Chizkiah who was a great pious king who got the Jews to do tremendous tshuva in his generation he was very sick and Yeshaya visits him and he says Hashem has told me you're going to die and you shall not live why the repetition you're going to die in this world and you won't live in the next world he says, why? I did such good for Hashem, why not? He says, well, you never got married. He says, well, I have a good reason for that. I, I'm a shtickle prophet, and I see if I get married, I'm going to have a son who's going to be the worst king in the history of the Jewish people. So the prophet said, listen, what is the hidden things? It's not your business. So he said, what should I do? He says, listen, I have, uh, I have a daughter, I'm a prophet, you're a tzaddik, go marry my daughter, we'll pray and hopefully things will be better. Okay, guess what? They had a kid, and indeed the worst king in the history of Jewish people, Menashe, who reigned for 55 years and was a terrible king and undid everything that Chizkiah did to help the people. So, again, Obviously, Hashem did not agree. Chizkiah was saying the same thing the angels were saying, but in a very specific case. More than that, I mean, the angels knew what would happen when God created the world, and they were right. Chizkiah knew this is not good. Hashem says, "Do it anyway." 
So really, these are all these three sources are bringing the same question. What, what's God not in mind? Creating a human being with a Yetzirah that will do good and will still sin? What was the purpose of all this? So this is what we want to talk about over here. And let's start with uh, something you're all familiar with, the prayer. It's in the Siddur. Adon Olam Asher Malach Baterim Kol Yitzir Nivra. Master Universe, you reigned before anything was created. Leis Nasav Echeft Sokal, at the time when his will brought everything into being, Azai Malach Shemonikra. Then as king he was called. So, why did God create the world? From that Pasuk, from that part of the Siddur, is so that the creature should call out that God is the king. What? Call out to Hashem. Call out to Hashem. Yeah, call out to Hashem. Okay. Now, it's interesting. Okay, you just come back from a wedding. Um, what is one of the Sheva brachos that we say? One of the shortest ones, source five. Shehakol baro lichvodo. Everything was created for his honor. Okay. And that's based on a pasuk in Yeshaya, which is the next pasuk. It says, Kol hanikrim bishmi Everything that is called by my name and whom I created for my glory, I formed him. Yes, I made him. So when a chassan and a kala start their marriage and they're going to bring all kinds of generations, we are telling them the purpose of life is to give God honor. And this is something we talk about a lot. We talk a lot about it, and we're committed to it, but it could very well be we don't exactly understand what this is. Let's get into the idea and really explain what is the idea of kavod shamayim, giving honor to heaven. What does that mean? So you say, listen to him. That gives him honor. But in general, we have to say, what does kavod mean? What does go? Well, we talked about that in a previous class when the students, Rebbe Kiva, did not give kavod to others. And we're not going to contradict that, but we're going to add another layer to this. And it's important to know what does the word kavod mean? And we say, we are, Hashem created everything for his honor. It sounds so egotistical. <laughs> right? So let's go to where we're told to give honor. Well, what does it say in the prophets about Shabbos in Yeshaya? There's a whole Pasuk over there. If you restrain your foot because of the Shabbos from performing your affairs on my holy day and you call the Shabbos a delight, the holy of the Lord honored, and you honor it by not doing your wanted ways, by not pursuing your affairs and speaking words. Okay, what does that mean? You honor it. Well, what do we, we learn a lot of halachas from this pasuk. On Shabbos, you have to behave different than on a weekday. Number one, you have to wear nicer clothes. Number two, the food is nicer. We don't just take a rye bread, a sliced rye bread. We make a challah, right? Okay. Uh, the whole day is different from the day of the week. Okay? Now, if you think about it, if you look out on the street and you look around, Shabbos 
the, the view I have from here right now on a Monday night is going to be any different than on Shabbos. Yeah. Doesn't seem that anything is very different. But we're told to act on Shabbos in a way totally different from every day of the week. Why? Because when I do that, I am revealing that there's something special about this day. And this becomes the definition, our working definition of kavod. And I believe I put it right there in source eight, the one line that really says it clearly. Kavod perusha lokachas dover shinira pashut klapechutz. Kavod means to take something that seems to be very average externally. Vilagalos es mahusohamitis vanisteris. And to reveal its true hidden essence. For example, you know, sometimes a Jew can come into a shul, and the rabbi knows that this Jew, he's not dressed anything special, is a big rabbi. And nobody knows he's a big rabbi. So what will the rabbi in the shul do? He'll say, Oh, Rabbi Sozo, come stand right up at the front next to me. Why is he doing that? Because he's treating him special that everybody should realize a very important rabbi is over there. And that's what kavod means. Is that you are revealing that is which is concealed. When something looks so simple, and you're saying it's not so simple. And that is, is what, what honor is. In this world... It's not clear to the eyes that Hashem is running the world. Now, what's the real truth? The real truth is Hashem runs the world. And man, that's a massive project. Now, you could say, well, it's just coincidence. There's nobody running the world. It's Mother Nature. Or people are running the world. When we, as ambassadors of Hashem, we call out to the world that Hashem is the king, then we are revealing the true reality. And that's called Kvod Hashem. Hashem hid himself in this world and, our, and he created us to give him honor, meaning to reveal the real truth to the world. And that's what it is to give honor to Shabbos. To honor to Shabbos is this day is different than every day of the week. And I have to show you how special this day is. And the only way we'll know that is by me doing everything different. I don't run on Shabbos. I don't know anything because what is Shabbos? Shabbos is a taste of the world to come. Wow, that's a special day. How do I know it's such a special day? I'm going to reveal it by doing that. And therefore everything we do has to reflect that we are revealing that. And similarly, how we are revealing and really you could say the same thing with Kibbut Avay. Your parents aren't any different than anybody else externally. So why are you standing up when they come in the room? Why are you getting them a glass of water? Why are you serving them uh, you know, with bated breath? Because these people, for me, are the most special people in the world. If I look at everybody in the world who's the most special person to me, is my parents. And if you don't treat them that way, that's not respect. You have to reveal to everybody that these are your parents and these people have contributed more to you except Hashem than anybody else in the world. 
That's what covet is. You have to behave differently with them to show they're not just anybody, they're my parents and they deserve that. So now we have to find what kavod is. Again, is to take something that appears outwardly to be simple and to reveal the true hidden essence. And we're talking about Hashem, you're revealing really a lot. And truthfully, this is what the Ramban says at the end of Parshas Bo, uh, middle of Parshas Bo, the most famous, one of the most famous Rambans. And he says, what's the purpose of all the mitzvahs? Is that we're showing that we believe in Hashem and we praise Him, no doubt. We praise Him that He created this. And this is the purpose of the creation of the world. There's no other reason for the first creation Hashem has no other purpose from the lower creatures except that man should know and praise Hashem who created him. He keeps saying the word no death and yo death to praise Hashem. We are here to praise Hashem. He says that's why they, they that's what the value of a shul is. It's a place to praise Hashem. Now, what does the word no death, yo death, modim has two meanings, right? One meaning is thanks, praise, and one more meaning. No, not to know. That's yodea. That's yodea. Mode is to admit. Admit. There's a concept of moda alha ms, admitting to the truth. Now, that's a very interesting concept. What does it mean, admitting to the truth? That's what yoda means. Yoda. Hoda is like mode. Bemitzas. It's a Talmudic term. Let's say I say, you owe me $100. Now, you can either say three answers. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Or you could say, $50 I for sure didn't borrow from you. But I'll admit the other $50. Now, when is it... Let, let me give a better example. Uh, let's say I suspect Chaya stole $100 from me. Right? Okay, so you could say, okay, I'll admit that I stole 50. How about this would never happen? I saw Chaya go into my wallet and take $100, and she's videoed. Now, I confront her, and let's say she says, I don't know what you're talking about. I show her the video, and she sees it. So you can say, okay, now I admit it. Well, you haven't admitted anything. I don't need you to admit it. I don't need you to admit something that I know without your assistance. That's why there's a very interesting halacha. When we come to, um, there's, let's say, when people steal and they steal something from someone. So a classic case of thieving, uh, thieving in stealth. If you steal 100 and we catch you, you pay 200. That's not paying double. So what if the criminal, before we know to find him, he comes forth and admits he stole. So he only pays the 100. He doesn't have to pay the rest. If, on the other hand, we catch him, and then he says, okay, here's the $100, you gotta pay the 200. So what do you mean? Well, you didn't help us at all. In other words, admission, according to the Torah, means, admitting means to admit when you could lie and deny. That's when there's a, that's a moda al ha emes. 
a person who admits to the truth, it's not when he's caught red-handed. It's only when you could lie and get away with it. Okay? And uh, so therefore, what does it mean now that we have to be moda Tashem? What do you mean? What, what's there to admit? Because we could lie and get away with it. Half of the world lies and gets away with it. They all say there's no God in this world. Because it's a lie that you can't really prove them wrong, so to speak. So therefore, our concept is to be moda. Anachnu modim, we admit. What does it mean we admit? We admit to a truth that we could deny like most other people on the planet. And that goes hand in hand with kavod. Because that's giving Hashem kavod. Where everybody else can lie and get away with it. Hashem's not getting any honor. And now we, the Ramban is saying we have to be noted to him. Praise him. Thank him. But most importantly, admit. Admit that it's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay? And because Hashem's reality is concealed, we could get away with admitting it. And that's what, what it means that Jews are moded. What the Ramban is saying, our job when we do mitzvahs, everything to realize there's a whole world. I could get away and deny God and no one will say two words to me. I'm going out on the limb and maybe even endangering my parnasa by saying there is a God in this world. And that is what Kavod Shemayim is. So now, Hashem created man with a Yetzirah. Now, here's the whole point. The purpose of creation is Dafka, the human being who has a Yetzirah, who's trying to make him make mistakes and to think there's no creator in the world and wants the Jew to do an Avera and not listen to Hashem. And the Yetzirah has all kinds of great arguments. He could point to the Holocaust and say, you see, there's no God. If there really was a God, you think there could be a Holocaust? If there really was a God, why did that righteous Jew pass away at such a young age? If there really is a God, why is the wicked person prospering? If there really is a God, why did the Democrats get away with everything? Why did they get away with everything? And we have to pay the bills for it. If there's a real God, why does he take care of things? So now, and if, and if the Jew still, after all those seductions of the Yetzirah, says, I'm going to admit the truth. There is a creator in the world, and I have to listen to him. That is the greatest kavod shemayim you could do. So when you're prepared to, to, when every time you overcome your Yetzirah, you are giving God kavod. That's, and that's the purpose of, and that's why Hashem created the world. He created the world for us to declare there's a God, especially in times when nobody is declaring it. And I don't have to declare it. And that can happen a lot of times. Sometimes, you know, you're caught, and something's happening, and to, to admit that you did something wrong because it's a lie, because that's the way Hashem wants you to do this. And you're willing to do that. That's a tremendous... Kvot Shemayim. Willing to lose a lot of money over mitzvahs is a tremendous Kvot Shemayim. So let's go back to Chizkiah. Chizkiah did not want to have a son who's going to be a Russia. Makes a lot of sense. Hashem didn't agree with him. Why? Well, let's think about it. How does a person become a Yetzir, uh, a Russia? Well, you have to have a pretty big Yetzirah. 
If he's going to be the worst king in the history of the Jews, doesn't he going to have a big Yetzirah? So why would you want that to happen? The answer is, what? But who can do the biggest Kavit Hashem possible? The wicked man who does tshuva. Chizkiyot yeah. <laughs> gave God a lot of covet, but he was always a good boy. But if the guy was so wicked, he mamish destroyed Klal Yisrael. He put idols everywhere. He was the worst guy in the world. And if the worst guy in the world can do tshuva, then for sure that's the biggest kvot shemaim that it's possible to have. So that's what Chizkiyot couldn't understand it. That extra point he couldn't, he couldn't get it. He said, I'm trying to avoid this. Shouldn't I be avoiding this? So he says, listen, you have a mitzvah. You have a mitzvah to have children. That's your job. Yeah, but don't I have a job to worry about your honor? Yes, you do, but you can't change the rules. Let me worry about it. You do what you do. You did a lot. Thank you very much. You let all this happen. You know, and really, Kiskio kind of understood his greatest quote of mine is to allow to have a son that will undo everything he did. Because God told him so. That's already one step further than the normal human being would think. What he did to undo what his father did, to turn the whole Yiddishkeit back completely. And now he knows he's gonna have a child who's gonna turn it all upside down. And that's the least clutch of mine. Hashem says, don't worry about it. Just do it. He says, why? You don't need to know why. Because Chizkiyo could not believe that his son, that he didn't have yet, would be able to do such a tshuva. And the truth of the matter is, the tshuva that Menashe did wasn't such a great tshuva. What got him to do tshuva? You think he just was inspired one day to do tshuva? He got captured once by cannibals. And the cannibals were making him the main dish. And he's in the pot, simmering away. And he cries to every idol that he knows. Not helping. He says, you know, I remember my Zadie. My Zadie, the prophet Yeshaya. Uh, he said that, you know what, even if, you know, there is Hashem who could answer you. So what does Menashe do? He says, God, I really don't believe in you. But if you do exist, if you save me, I'd appreciate it. That's it. The Malachim in Shemayim says, don't answer him. He's a bum. He's a bum. That's, that's how you say, at least I was wrong. I was this. I was that. He said, you know, they told me you exist. I don't know if you do or not. But if you save me, then I, yeah, then I think you exist. So the angels in heaven, they sealed up the entrance to the yes. gates of prayer. What Hashem did, he dug a little hole and let it sneak through the hole. I say, why'd you do this for? Because if he doesn't get to do tshuva, then no one's going to do tshuva. So that was why, and, and who could believe that could happen? Can you get from such a wicked guy such, such tshuva? And that is what uh, Yeshaya later writes in source number 10, what Chizkiyahu wrote after the whole incident. It's... Uh, he, it says in Yeshaya, the writing of Chizkiah, king of Yehuda, when he became ill and recovered from his illness. 
For the grave shall not thank you, nor shall death praise you. Those who descended the pit shall not hope for your truth. The living, the living, he shall thank you, like me today. The Hebrew main words are Kilo Sha'ol Todecha. Not in the pit will they praise you. But who? Chai Chai. The living people will praise you. What's he saying? He's saying, what do you mean? Dead people won't praise God? When you're dead and the truth is clear, God don't need your praise. When everybody knows the truth, who needs your praise? But when you're alive, then the praise is worth something. So now he, he, he thanked him, says, now I have what to thank Hashem because I could deny Hashem. Right? A tzaddik has only one desire, is to praise Hashem. Okay? Aye, there might be a question. Um, don't tzaddikim pray after their death? Don't they praise Hashem? He says, of course they praise Hashem. But the real praise is in this world. Certainly tzaddikim got to say how much they love Hashem and all these things. But we can't use that as hoidah. It could be halal. See, it's a halal and hoda. Halal is you're praising to that which is obvious. Hoda is things that are not so obvious. So even the biggest sadiqim, the best they can do is say halal in the next world. Because there's, there's no one denying God. But when you're in the world of where everybody's alive and everything's working terribly, that's a big difference. So therefore we have this idea now of hoda, you know, could mean thanks, but it's admitting to the truth and only a living person can give God these praises because he could deny the praise. And that's what he says. In the grave, there's no praise. Praise only comes from the living. When you have a Yetzirah. And that is the answer to all three of the things we learned today. Number one, Moshe Rabbeinu comes up to the mountain and the angels say, what are you going to give the Torah to them for? They're going to make a mess of it. Moshe says, you're right. But can you guys praise God? Can you, pra can you praise God? He says, of course. Yeah, but can you deny praising God? Oh. You're right. We got terrible people. And we're going to have a lot of wicked people, the Jewish people. But guess what? Those that are good are going to really praise God. That's something you can never do. Halal, you could say. Hodah, not. And that's why the malachim shift their words. And they don't say, oh, the angels. Remember, what would they, first time they said the Pasuk, who is man that we should remember? And in the heavens, we praise God. Because they thought, we're praising God. And Moshe said, you got it wrong, buddy. You never can praise God. You can sing to God. You can say, oh, God, they praise there only is MS. Hashem brought the Torah down to the world that what? That we can show that there's a God in this world. That we can give Him praise. Ah, you're going to fail? Yes, right. And from the failure will come the greatest praises. And that's the same thing when the world was created. Hashem heard all the, all the arguments. But He says, you guys can never do what I really want. You never can do that for me. And that's the same thing with Hashem. That's why if you remember, there's one chassid who saw a very, very secular, secular Jew. And he sees the secular Jew and he's smiling and he's happy. He says, what are you so happy about? 
he says, I understand, you know, once a person does tshuva, all his sins become mitzvahs. Man, when you do tshuva, you're going to be holier than everybody. So that, that's the first point that we have over here. Yeah, question. Understand, person does chua, so men are shedded chua, even Ishmael did chua, Jesus also did, but the damage which is done, how it is corrected? How's the damage corrected? Yes. Leave it to Hashem. Yeah, Leave You know, the greatness of a king, the greatness of a king is not how he deals with his friends, but how he deals with his enemies. Greatness of a person is not how you deal with your friends, they deal with your enemies. There are people that are difficult to deal with. How do you deal with them? Right? And eventually, everybody has the power to do tshuva. So you're saying, how are we going to fix it up? Leave it to Hashem. It's a long world. That person can have grandchildren. Again, you're dealing with... Chizkiyot's um, uh, um, uh, father was a big rusher. Why did Hashem leave him to do that? <laughs> because now Chizkiyot would change everything. And would show when when evil can rear its ugly head, but then self-destruct, then you know the evil is nothing. When when you when you're a king and you never have any any um, strife and no one trying to go against you, how do you know the king is powerful? Only when there's strong enemies who can really do a lot and they can do a lot of damage, and he can still overcome them, then you know the king is amazing. If there's no evil in the world, so who's 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 telling us the truth? Hashem doesn't need us to be in, in the heavens. The heavens are great, but does it really bring out God's honor? Does God get covered when nobody's arguing? You have to be in a world that, why are the wicked in this world? To argue and to make it seem there is no God. And now the point is to find God in, in this mess. And that gives Hashem the greatest pleasure. Yes? Something's still bothering you? The way you... What? Why? No, you can, can ask. I won't think any less of you if you pursue this. My question is still the same. Because damage done is like we are still still getting hit by it. You know, the Ishmael's damage, the Jesus' driving. Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, you have to remember one thing. At the end of the day, the whole world's going to recognize Hashem. Yeah. So what's going to be at the what's what's Mashiach? Mashiach is going to be the greatest hodah in the world. All the evil people who succeeded. Imagine, just imagine your mind. Mashiach is going to look like this. The UN will pass a resolution that everything they did against Israel from the beginning of time was their wickedness, and they plead for mercy before God. And, and who will plead for the most mercy? The biggest murderers. Now, is that not going to honor Hashem? Mm-hmm. Now, would it be, what's a bigger honor? Everybody was good and you honored Hashem? Or the most wicked people? They're going to take every UN resolution and rip it up and put it all against the, the Rishon. Yeah, but, but how many carbonas? Again, the, these are questions beyond our pay scale. Hashem, remember, you got to remember, what's wrong with a Corbin? What's wrong with a Corbin? person dies on Kiddush Hashem, he's got a direct, a direct flight, nonstop to Ganeidim. What's so bad about that? From our perspective, as human beings, it's, it's a hard thing to understand. 
But you got to remember, as we said many times, the, the story, I don't remember, I keep telling the story, Ramban had a student, which, when did I say? Ramban had a student, was dying at a young age. So the Ramban uh, wants to make the student feel a little better, whatever, and cares about. She says, you know, I've got a lot of questions on what Hashem has been doing. I'm writing them all down on a piece of paper. I'm giving them to you. We're going to bury you. You're going to hold on to that piece of paper. And then when you die, you're going to go up to Shemaim and you tell them in my name that you get an appointment with the big guy. And you're going to ask him all these questions. And you're going to come to me in a dream and give me the answers. So it was. He died. A week later, whatever, he comes to the Ramban. He says, Rebbe, I can't tell you a lot, but I can tell you one. I'm not allowed to tell you, but one thing I can tell you, that as soon as I got up there and I looked at the paper, there weren't questions. That's it. Okay, so we, we've got to trust, right? And the fact that Jews rebuild without knowing the questions, that's the biggest proof that there's a God. The biggest proof was a God was from the Jews who survived the Holocaust and rebuilt Yiddishkeit. That could not have happened without a Holocaust. If there's no Holocaust and Jews are good, what's a big deal? You know, the fact that, that many Jews today are good, okay, it's not bad. Okay, we have different challenges. It's not called a Holocaust. It's called the internet. It's called technology, social media. I don't know what's worse. Okay, so those of us who can overcome that are, are really uh, giving God a lot of honor. Okay, this part one, there's three parts. Whoa, how am I going to finish it all? We'll see. So now we're going to go to the next part. And this is really, the, so far it's a very nice thing we said, um, but there's still more that we have to understand over here. Oh, so now, oh, there's one more point to the Moshe story. So what did Hashem tell Moshe how to answer what he said? Echoz bekisei kvodi. Hold on to my throne of glory and give them an answer. Hashem's giving him a hint. The answer has to do with kavod. If you're clutching onto my throne of glory, you'll find the answer from that. And there he says, aha, so that's it. It's kvod shamayim. That's why we're getting the Torah. So Hashem was giving him a little bit of a hint that the whole purpose of the creation is that a physical person down here who has a Yetzor that wants to make him sin and is convincing him there's no God and you are going to be moda al ha'emes. You're going to admit to the truth and that what is, even though an angel can say in source 11, kadosh, 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 Hashem tzvakos, but still, the earth is where God's covet is. The angels say, God's holy, holy, holy. You can say he's holy, but we can't give him any honor. The honor is when, the, and remember, the malachim can't say Kedush up there till we say it down here. Till we, a broken Jews, who have struggled with the hours every day, can say Kedush, Kedush, Kedush. Then what do we say? Malochal Eretz Kivodo. Only the earth has Hashem's covenant. The heavens doesn't have Hashem's covenant. Because we have to do that struggle. Okay, very good. So now the question is, so why do we have to know that Medrash? 
Why do I have to know this? It's a nice medrash. It's a nice story. But the truth of the matter is, and this is a much deeper idea, and th this is this is good already, but it's going to get better here. You have to realize a medrash is telling us something. When we got the Torah, well, every year we get the Torah. And the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh says that what the Malachim are said, what said to Moshe, that prosecution that they said still haunts us till today. Meaning to say, each and every one of us is a little Moshe Rabbeinu. Each and every one of us is going to climb a little mountain. And each of every one of us is going to be accused by the Malachim. Saying, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You don't deserve to get the Torah. That's that's the question. Who is man? You're going to come and you're going to stay up and you think you're going to get the Torah? And those thoughts are bothering us. And we know that, you know what, they're, they're right. How many times I haven't lived up to what I should be doing. And that accusation haunts us to the point of possible despair people say what is this I'm going to stay up the whole night I know the rabbi said that you know, it's our whole spirituality is decided on, on shvuas I know what kind of Jew I am I know, I know that I don't enjoy this about spirituality I don't like this and I, I don't try as hard as I can whatever but that's the angels they're haunting us. So what's the solution? So somehow we have to what? We have to hold the kisei hakavod. We have to find that kavod. I have to say, you know what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I might be a shmo, but I'm the only one who can give God kavod. Because of my shmoiness, I can even give him more kavod. And then they, you know, and then and, 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 and therefore we can say, Moadir Shimcha Haoritz. How awesome is your name on all the world? Because it only can come over here. And we have to remember that every any day the angels are gonna come and you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear it. Whatever it is, you know, some people will say, oh, you know, when I was young I said shows, I'm old now, I'll just go to sleep. It's not, it's, not, it's not going to be a better year. It's not, not going to be a bit spiritually better. The angels are right. I'm not a malach. So I'll pass this year. We'll just go on uh, cruise control. So the only way you're going to succeed is you got to do what Moshe Rabbeinu did, and you have to hold on to the Kisei HaKavah. And when you hold on to that, and you remember what the purpose is, then really it's funny, but the worse you are, the more you could do God's purpose. If this will be a better year, then you can give more cover than any malachim could give. So let's give a few practical, very practical. The tzaddik here gives about six practical examples. I don't know if we have time because I still have another part to get into over. But let's just do a couple. Some may you may resonate more with one more than another. We'll try to pick enough that will hit everybody. Let's say. You're Fleischicks, and you forgot your Fleischicks. So of course you're in the store and you got one of these urges and you see a really beautiful piece of chocolate, milk chocolate, your favorite. And you're getting one of these chocolate 
uh, moods, your chocoholic mood. And, uh, but then you remember, oh, I'm Fleischick's. Ugh, but I really would like that piece of chocolate. At that moment, the malachim start talking and say, who is mad that we should remember you? Why do we even want that chocolate? You know Hashem says you gotta have, you can't have milchiks after fleischiks? Oi, I must be very far away. And you might come and be down on yourself. But then you gotta remember, you gotta hold the, the kiseh kavod. And you gotta say, you know what? Wait a minute. But I still can choose not to eat it. I may be a good for nothing that I really wanna eat it. Because really, I shouldn't even wanna eat it. And it's like, oh, darn it. I wish I could have it. If you were a malach, you wouldn't even wish to have it. He says, you're right, I'm not a malach, but I still didn't need it. And that's when you give a little tefillah to Hashem. You say, Rabbeinu Shalom, I am keeping your mitzvahs even though it's hard for me. Even though I'm such a shmo that it's so hard for me to do this, but you're getting nachas from me, no? Because the only reason I'm not doing this is because I can give you covet and a malach can't. Okay? Or let's have maybe another real good example, maybe a little bit more appropriate. Um, let's say you are uh, had a meal. It's time to bench. And you just look at the clock. It says, my goodness, I have to catch a bus in three minutes. This is the one bus I have to catch to get to work on time. Benching, because it'll take one minute to get to the bus stop. Benching takes a good five minutes. So what do you do? You fly through the benching. You get through the benching. The angels come out and say, what kind of schmore are you? That's the kind of bench he did right before Shavuos. For a bus, for a bus, you made it a, a, a joke out of the benching. You could be, you could really be in despair. So you gotta say, you know why I made a joke out of the benching? Cause Malachim don't have to catch buses. I have to catch a bus. I have to go to work. Malachim don't have to worry about Parnassah. I have to worry about Parnassah. But I didn't walk out completely. I, I said a few words. I gave God two minutes instead of five minutes, so I went really fast. But I, I said most of the words, you know. I said, "Okay, am I am I a mom? I'm not a malach." And that's your moment to say a little prayer, Hashem. I be- I benched even though I was fast, but it still gave you covet. Could I have given you more covet? Yes, but at least I gave you covet. And that covet of my two-minute benching is more than a malach can ever give you. Okay? How about uh, davening? You know, the Ramah says, if you don't have kavana in the first bracha, you have to say it over. But then the Ramah says, but if we do it a second time, we wouldn't have kavana again, so you don't have to say it over. Why? Because Hashem doesn't uh, have complaints against us. Okay, so that's... Okay, let's say another example. You're running late. This is more for the ladies, but we've run. Man, the same thing. So you've got this whole uh, schedule. You're hosting dinner. And of course, you have to have a few salads. 
And if you're South African or Sephardi, you have to have a lot of salads. And those aren't regular salads, those are ones that marinate for hours. And it really has to be a nice salad and all these things. And it's, it's getting really close to Shabbos. You haven't bathed all the kids yet. Not all the food is ready. There's still another kugel you have to make and another salad. And you know what? The clock is running down and uh, there's a problem. I gotta light candles. We're not gonna have that salad and we're not gonna have this. And man, what a schmo I am, you know? The rabbi always says you should not wait to the last minute to prepare. Why did I start preparing only at 12 o'clock? If I would have prepared Friday, Thursday night, I wouldn't be in this situation. So now you're, uh, you're about to light the candles in a very depressed mood. I wasn't really ready for this Shabbos. So while you're going through that depression, what is your husband saying in Kabbalah Shabbos by Lechad Odi? We say one of the lines is, Uri, Uri, Shir Daveri, wake, wake up, my song, my voice sings a song. Kvod Hashem Olayich Nigla. The glory of Hashem is revealed upon you. You see what's going on over here? Yes, you weren't ready on time, but guess what? But you keep the mitzvah of lighting on time because you keep the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos. And you say, you got a little prayer, while you're lighting the candles, you can add a line. I mean, it's nice to have kids who are Tamei and women, this and all these are wonderful things. But now what you really have to do is replenish the I lit the candles on time. You should get nachas from the fact I did that. And maybe the house isn't so ready for Shabbos. Okay. Or, you know what? You know, if you leave a light on in the bedroom. Ugh, I've been so stupid. I know it's Shabbos. Shouldn't I have it on my checklist? And now, I, now I'm not going to be able to sleep. The kids are going to sleep. Ach, what a failure I am. So what do you do? You say, I'm keeping your Shabbos. You should have nachas for me. Or how about when the children have driven you absolutely crazy and you start yelling. You lose your cool. You start yelling at them. And then the malachim say, what kind of parent are you? What kind of parents you yell at your kids? You, you made the kid feel bad. You know, even the goyim are better parents than you. So you say like this, yeah, the goy has one kid. I have eight kids in the house. And guess what? They talk and we're making me crazy. Now, you'll see with the goyim, with the one kid, they'll abuse their kid. And they'll make them black and blue. I didn't touch my kid. So I yelled at him. I'm not saying it's a wonderful thing. But you know what? One thing I did, I didn't abuse the child. I didn't really do any averos. Even it was very hard, I still gave you nachas. Could I have been better? Yes. And that's how we always have to look at it. The Yates are in so many ways. You try to do a learn, new type of learning and you fail in it. It's, it's not cut out for me. You say, Hashem, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm giving you a lot of nachas. So that's what we have to worry about. So this, this medrash is not a story that happens once in a while. This medrash is happening every day. 
and especially before Shavuos. Because we look, most of us, we're good people, and therefore as Jews, we tend to be hard on ourselves. That's just the way it is. You know, I'm not the best parent, I'm not the best rabbi, I'm not the best uh, spouse, you know. But the truth of the matter is, why don't you give yourself, the failures mean that I'm normal. So now within that place of failure, where am I giving God honor? And it doesn't be 100% honor because, I remember, malachim don't have children that make them crazy. Malachim don't have to prepare for Shabbos. Right? Malachim don't have to do a lot of those things. So it's easy for them to admit that God is great. But the very same kid you were yelling at 10 minutes before Lichtbenchen, you're praying that he should be exotic. Now, who could pray their kids to be exotic when they're a monster right now? And he was a monster. I told him 10 times, don't, you know, don't play with the plant and don't throw the plant around. And he did, and it went all over the carpet I just cleaned a half an hour ago. Can I yell at him? <laughs> okay, I shouldn't have yelled. I surely didn't beat him up. Now, one thing's for sure, I gave him a blessing, he should be exotic. So, so, and that is the covet that we give Hashem. So it, it's not how much covet you give. I mean, you'd like to give more. And that's what it says in Source 14. Hashem says, this mitzvah that I've given to you today is not wondrous from you. It's not concealed from you. It's not far. It's not in the heavens to say who can go up and bring it from the heavens because it's very close in your mouth and in your heart to do. Hashem doesn't want to do mitzvahs in the heavens. He wants to do in your mouth and in your heart. That's what Hashem wants us to do. And it was that prosecution that even Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid of. But Hashem says, hold on to the kisei, and you'll understand what the answer is. That's what you hold on to the covet aspect. Never forget what your job is. To give covet to Hashem, and no matter how bad you are, you're going to find out there's plenty of covet that you're giving Hashem. And that's what you have to remember. And even after you've done Averos, you could say, and if I do tshuva on this Avera, can you imagine how much more covet I can give? How could I have done such a terrible Avera? You know how come you could have done it? Because I'm going to give you the ability, if you try, you can do tshuva, and now you can really give covet to Hashem. That's how you have to look at it. Now, of course, we don't go in and say, oh, I think I'll do an Avera so I can give Hashem covet. No, that's not a good idea. But if you're saying that, you know, you, you now have failed... Then you could still say, okay, so now I'm in a position where I can give covet. Okay, that's part two. We saw one more part, yes? Covet and nachas, is it the same? Uh, when I, let's put this to you, the giver gives the covet, the recipient gets the nachas. Okay, but really, nachas really is Hashem's place. He's the one supposed to get the nachas. We're the ones supposed to give the covet. That's a big mistake. You know, I, you know, this idea that we wish each other Yiddish and nachas, the real question is who's supposed to get the nachas? Not us, Hashem. Yes, your children should, 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 should be a source of nachas. Leave it at that. Don't say a source of nachas to you. You're not here for the nachas. Your job is to give God covet. Your job is not to have nachas. Your job is to give Hashem nachas. We kind of distorted that. We're saying, when am I going to get my Yiddish nachas? 
Who said you were created? It says you were created to give God covenant. That's all. So where does it say that you're... Everywhere in the Torah it says it's a nachas, a korban is nachas ruach l'ashem. A nachas ruach. Nachas, yeah, big thing. You just say that Hashem should get nachas. After all, he's running the whole show. He's the one doing it. He's the one giving kindness to everybody. So what's nachas mean now? What does nachas mean? That the, the recipient of the kavod that could be denied. Okay, now who deserves that? Hashem. Okay, sometimes people deserve kavod too. There are times when, you know, like we have to honor your parents. You have to give honor to rabbis. You have to honor older people. There is certain aspect of that. Oh, before I forget, <laughs> almost forgot. Um, this is very important. It's good to say to Shevard Brothers. So now why do we say, We didn't answer that question. So the answer is like this. Merits should be a guaranteed disaster. If you think about it. If you think about it objectively, knowing how human beings are and how men come from uh, wherever, Mar Mars, whatever, from Venus, a woman from Mars, the dumbest idea to put a male and a female together and spec so bias you're out of your mind. And you're right, you are out of your mind. It shouldn't happen. But if you say, marriage, you know what you're getting married for? To reveal that there is a God. And only with a God could a marriage work. Marriage cannot work without a God. How do we know there's a God in the world? When you take Yassi Mechalowitz, Mary's Gail Mechalowitz, and they, get, they don't get divorced. And they get along. <laughs> there only can be a God in this world. Because each one of the husband and wife has to say, you know what, it's not about me winning, it's about Kvot Shemayim. It's about Kvot Shemayim. How does a marriage last? That's the first message we're telling. There are two opposites. Okay? How could two opposites get along? If they do, it's only one thing. You got that you know there's a God in this world. Because, you know, that person pushes his buttons, or she he pushes her buttons, and they get along. Doesn't get angry, doesn't get excited. Why? Well, at the bottom line, when, when your spouse does something and you want to kill them, why don't you? Because you gotta reveal God in this world. And you know what? God put you with this one. That's the one that's best for you. Now, you want to make Hashem a liar? So divorce her. And I'm not talking about a case where you're abusive and that shouldn't stay. But I'm talking, you know, uh, you know, I think that some of the younger generation needs to know. It's not about, it's all about covet. To give covet to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And marriage is the greatest way to give covet because it's the hardest thing in the world to do. So, and that's the place where you could deny God. In the best place. What do you mean? I should give... Are you crazy? She's making my life miserable. No, no. But in my Torah, I said you got to honor her more than you honor yourself. What? Yes, because she's your ticket and he and you're her ticket and whatever. So the greatest proof... So when do you really... 
you know, when you're single, oh, God's amazing. <laughs> everything goes so well. I get along with everything. And if not, I just make other friends. But now you give me a life sentence with this person? Oh, I don't know what there's to thank. No, 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 you're gonna find there's plenty to thank. And if you, if you listen to her, she'll make a mensch out of you, in spite of yourself, okay? And then you know what? You're gonna give cover to Hashem. It's very, not to say a single person can't give cover to Hashem, but it's not, it's not the same, because single person, generally, in terms of not having people always arguing with you, simply you do what you want. Basically, so it's easy to thank God until you got this pressure of being single and you look weird. But that's not the point I'm making here. Point, but when you get married, it's very hard to say my life's amazing. Well, there's real now is time I could deny God. <laughs> my life's miserable. I got to honor this person. Yep. Well, Tana the Gemara. His wife made him miserable. Whatever he saw something in the store, he bought it for. Says, "Why are you doing? It? She's a witch. Listen, <laughs> she's my ticket, man." <laughs> I got honor her. That's the way it is. That shows Hashem's honor. Why else? So now you understand in a world that now doesn't believe in God anymore. So don't believe marriage either. Don't believe marriage. It goes hand in hand because if you're not here to give cover to God, then what do you want to marry anybody for? The whole purpose, the whole... I don't, I don't know if married people... The whole purpose is to cover to Hashem. So how can you give cover to Hashem? Only when you can deny Hashem. Well, marriage is such a great place to deny Hashem without working on it. It's amazing, right? And you know, and we could take it much further. I mean, present company excluded. But you know, don't you think a spouse sometimes thinks to not be uh, faithful? Because after all, treats me like a jerk. After all, doesn't acknowledge me. All these things. So what keeps you faithful? Covered Hashem. Even if you could be keep it a secret, but not before Hashem. So then why why are you not fooling around? You know why? Because there's a God in the world. There can come times in a marriage where your mom is you're fed up. It's just, you know, it's driving to the point. I I, I you know, it, 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 you gotta understand God. She's, you know, but I don't want to go more. You you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to say more. And a person to have fidelity in a marriage, that's covered your mind. How many goyim in marriages have fidelity? And many of them expect, what do you mean? You know, they have all kinds of rules. They've made up rules. I don't even want to talk about it. It's terrible things. But how many have, have, have marriages where they're mamish loyal? So that, it's all part of marriage covetousness. Okay, so now let's try to sneak in one more part. We've got to go a little bit quick over here. And so far, it, uh, he's given us a lot of great information. There's still one more important piece. And he's going to say like this. He says, um, where is it? Uh, there's a Medrash Tanchuma, source 15. Just like a Kala adorns herself with 24 ornaments, that must be the source of the Henna, so does a Torah scholar need to be an expert in the 24 books of the Tanakh. Which means to say, as the author writes in Oschav Akesh, I'll just quickly say the English, what is that? He says, the Torah and mitzvahs are ornaments that Hashem gave us to adorn ourselves in order to glorify Him. Just as a kala adorns herself before her husband. Just like the body has 248 limbs and 365 sinews, so too there's 248 and 365 different forces and characteristics which are the limbs of the soul. And the mitzvahs of the Torah, the garments of the soul, just like garments reveal the essence of the person, 
For example, if you're a policeman, you're dressed in blue. If you're a doctor, you're dressed in white, whatever. If you're a housekeeper, you've got an apron, whatever it is. But by we dress, we know who you are. So does the mitzvah, which are the garments of the soul, reveal and express the essence of the soul, which yearns for Hashem. So, let's, so what is he telling us over here? He's saying a very profound idea. And he gives us a beautiful mushroom. We're saying that mushal is just like a kala would dress before a chasen. So too, we have the 24 books of the Torah. And so to speak, we're the kala, Hashem's the chasen. We dress up before Hashem. How do we dress up before Hashem? With the mitzvahs. Okay, so let's say, let's say like this. Let's say you have a kala who's very poor. And all she has to wear for her husband is real old-fashioned, dingy dress. Not a good presentation, but that's all she's got. But she says, at least I could press the dress and maybe sew up one little hole. It's still gonna look like an old, tired dress, but at least it's gonna be freshened up a little bit. And my husband will see that I'm trying to make myself look nice for him. Now. What's the whole point of wearing a nice, why does a woman dress up for a husband? So her husband said, well, she, she cares about me, wants to look very presentable to me. She wants to give me a little covet, right? So if the husband sees, the dress kinda, but she's poor. But I see she did iron out some of the things over there. So you know what? He's not gonna mind. And he says, you know what, dear? Here's a couple hundred dollars, buy yourself a nice dress. Why will he do that? Because he knows she's really trying her best. She wants to look nice, but she doesn't have the ability to be more than that. And therefore, the point of the matter is, how do we dress up before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How do we dress ourselves up before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Now, a lot of our mitzvahs maybe aren't the best that we've done. And maybe our mitzvahs are like old, old tattered clothing. I dominate the same way, I just do it robotically, and whatever. A lot of things, you know, not so good. But how about if we try our best and we say, you know, even I can't do it as good as I can, but I try to do the best I can with what little I have. And you say the following tefillah, Rebbeide Shalom, I've done the mitzvahs, and I hope you get some nachas ruch before me. Because really, what I want to do is to give you nachas. So even though I couldn't do it the best way, but I wanted to give you nachas. Even though I couldn't be full. But at least I want that to be as nice as possible. As Reb Mendel of Vitev says in 17, we know it's an idea of being somech bechelko. Sometimes you have to be happy with your portion of Torah and service. Even when you're yearning for much bigger service Hashem, you need to rejoice over your present service, even if it's small. And this is how you, so how do you press a mitzvah? You press a mitzvah by being happy that you're doing the mitzvah. You want to give a lot of money, but I don't got a lot of money. I'm like, give us a dollar. But I'm so happy I could do the mitzvah. A lot of mitzvahs, we just can't, they don't do them that well. But at least you want to show, to give a little press. How can I make it look a little nicer? At least be happy when you're doing it. 
So then Hashem will say, oh, you're trying your best. You know, maybe I'll, I'll try to make it better for you. He gives another marshal, maybe explains it a little better. We know the famous marshal, the king who opens up his treasuries to all his loyal servants. And they have exactly 10 minutes to walk in and get whatever they want. But the king's smart. If they all go in and get everything they want, there's going to be nothing in the treasury. So what does he do right before you get in, right, the ante room, he designed a certain distraction suited to each and every one of the servants. One of his servants, a hockey fan, so he creates a hologram in front of the guy that it's the Maple Leafs Game 7 Stanley Cup. And a Canadian's walking by, a Torontonian, I, I gotta watch this, it's overtime. I'll only watch a minute. Oh, no, he didn't get the goal. It's two minutes. It's just... At nine minutes, they still... Ah, the Leafs lost again. Okay, okay, I got 30 seconds. He quickly gets in two little... Uh, two little diamonds. Another guy loves the concerts. Right? Classical music. So for him, it's classical music. It's just a minute, just a minute. And then what happens is... He, he gets in the last second, gets the things. Okay, now the question is, how do these guys react after they find all I got is two little things? So there's two ways of looking at it. One guy said, ah, I could have had a million. All I got is two little diamonds. Rolls them off. The guy says, I was a dummy. I was an idiot. But still, two diamonds is still worth money. I'm going to be happy with that. I got that. The king then, now he knows he set this up. He knows he's done this. So the king comes and asks, okay, what do you got? Me? Oh, boy, you put a really good show over there and you suckered me and you did a good job, oh king. I just threw him away. You threw him away? I guess you don't think it's important. Fine. What did you do? I got the two and I'm saving them and you know I'm going to try to invest it in something. He says, you, here, here's another million dollars because you value what I gave you. The other guy did not value what I gave him. And this is how it is in life. Hashem brings us into this world and it's open for diamonds. Diamonds galore. Every a person's asking for a favor at an inconvenient time. You know what kind of diamond that is? Someone is, 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 uh, is whatever, you, you know the situations as a person that, that you helped and, they, and they, they didn't thank you properly and they want more favors and said it's enough, but you gotta realize these are, and the harder it is, the more precious is the gem. And of course, many times we're too busy and we don't do it and we look at the end of the week and you say, I never only got two diamonds. You say, this was a week, foo, terrible week. So Shem says, terrible weeks, okay, next week will be the same. But then you say, you know what? I got two diamonds. Pretty good. Hashem says, I'll give you more. So what are the diamonds? The diamonds is you're happy with your avodas Hashem. With what the Yetzirah has convinced you is that you don't, that you're not such a great Jew. And for you to say, you know what? I'm so thrilled that I got that. Then Hashem says, you know, I'll give you more. And just imagine, just imagine if the wife, remember, she doesn't have the, the nice dress, you know what she decided to do? To come in a robe. Oi, boy. He comes, she come in a robe? Like he didn't even put the dress on? Who was not a nice dress? So what do I need? No, that little dress, but at least you pressed it. Okay, I'm going to buy you a whole soup. Are you coming in with a robe? 
That's how you're bringing in Shabbos in a robe. Well, I don't have the fanciest dress and it's just that. Well, put a dress on for Shabbos. And that's what we say in Eishah Schayel right at the end. Why we sing Eishah Schayel where we say, where we say right, she gomolasu tov kol She repays his good but never his harm all the days of her life. What does that mean? It means that whatever avoda she does, she always looks at the good and not at the bad. And how does that happen? Because she garments herself with strength and power. You have to have a strength to be happy with your Yiddishkeit, even when you feel that you're not succeeding. And this is the avoda before Shavuos. The avoda before Shavuos is you're going to hear those malochim haunting you and telling you, you don't, you're not good. And you could say, you're right, but you guys can't give covet. I can give covet. And every time you're going to struggle and you're going to fail this week and you're going to be compromised and you, all you got is a little, uh, a little jewel, you got to say, the main thing Hashem wants to see, a nice big smile on your face. I'm so happy the little bit I got. I could have been much better. And what doesn't mean to say we're except not having much better. But if I know that this little bit was still good, maybe that'll inspire me to want more. Hashem should help us to smile through this difficult week and answer the malachim and be the ones that can give cover to Hashem. Amen.